Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now for our story. It was late afternoon. Due to the heavy fog, the lights in the houses along the beach were already being turned on. The house Kit Mead is rented was in darkness, except for the kitchen where Mrs. Kingsley, the housekeeper, was busy preparing dinner. She was a sparse, small woman who looked as if life had not been overly generous with her. Her face was sharp, the eyes penetrating. Yet a keen observer would realize that her austerity was like her starched apron, a protective cover. An astute person would realize how Mrs. Kingsley would respond to affection and kindness. Mrs. Kingsley stood at the sink, her hands expertly cleaning and preparing the vegetables for dinner. There was a knock at the back door. It was Max, Paul Cromwell's valet, butler, and general factotum. Come on in, Max. Where shall I put these, Mrs. K? Hmm? What is it? Mrs. Fenner's and Mrs. Mead shopping that wasn't the cop. Uh, where do you want these bundles? Oh... Over in that corner for the time being, till I find out what they want done with them. <laughs> Heavens, they get all that in town this morning. Oh, hope they remember to get those mixing bowls. I can tell you, they didn't. Mrs. Fenner spent most of her time in the baby department. Well, about time they both got stocked up. Won't be long now for Miss Fenner. About uh, three more weeks, isn't it? Mm, that's what I understand. About a cup of coffee, Max. 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 Half some hot. That would be very nice. Be very nice. Be very nice. Um, sit over here, Max. By the way, um, I have a message for you from Mrs. Mead. She says for you not to bother about dinner. Well, this is our fine time to be telling me. Is she over at your place? Yes. She and Mr. Cromwell have decided to drive up to the cut's head for dinner. Mmm, that smells delicious. Now, if I may have a little sugar and glue. Right in front of you. <laughs> and what about Mrs. Fenner? What's she supposed to do? Oh, you needn't worry about your daughter yet. You're to tell her about it when she wakes up. She's taking a nap, isn't she? Mm-hmm. All right, I'll tell her. But I do think people could give me a little more warning. Good food's too hard to come by to be spoiled and wasted these days. Then why don't you ask me to dine with you? Aren't you going to be driving them up there? No. Mr. Cromwell is going to do the driving. Well, all right. Rather have you than eat alone. I'm flattered, Mrs. Kitt. <laughs> well, and how are you liking the job now? I can tell you right now I'd give the whole thing up if it weren't for the chance to make the extra money. Too much work? No, it isn't that. I don't mind the work of taking care of Mr. Cromwell's house and this one, too. That's not what gets under my skin. It's this funny stuff. <laughs> Here I thought I was going to have a nice, quiet summer at the beach working for Mr. Paul. And all of a sudden, Ms. Fenner arrives out of the blue from San Francisco. Then Ms. Mead arrives from Wakefield. Wakefield. Yeah, Wakefield. Both of them descending on Mr. Cromwell, so to speak. It sure looks funny. I don't see why you say that. 
I don't necessarily say it. But haven't you talked to some of the other help around here? No. I've never made it a practice to indulge in backstair gossip. Well, you certainly learn about the people who live up front, I can tell you that. I don't understand, though, why they should cause so much comment. Surely it's a woman's right to have a child where she pleases. Well, of course, she usually pleases to have it where her husband is. Now, in Miss Fenner's case, that's different. That gigolo she had for her husband walked out on her left her flat. Under the circumstances, I certainly don't blame her for coming to Mr. Cromwell for help. But this Miss Mead, what's she doing way out here? That's what I want to know. Not that I'd expect you ever to let loose and tell me anything, Max. <laughs> but I have eyes in my head. It's not so hard to put two and two together. And what do you get? Well, for one thing, Miss Mead don't act natural about her child. Almost as if she didn't want it. Yet when Miss Stanner talks about her baby, Miss Mead's face freezes up. She looks at her sometimes as if she could kill her. You don't like Mrs. Mead, do you? No. And it's not just because she's bossy and high-handed. No, it's, it's something else. Women have never liked Miss Mead. I used to see that when she was living in New York. It was Miss Culver then. Women are a little afraid of her. She is beautiful, isn't she? Maybe to some folks. Mr. Cromwell thinks so, doesn't he? Naturally. Then why is he putting on such a show with Miss Denner? What do you mean? You know what I mean. Certainly sweet and attentive to her these days. Why shouldn't he be? Oh, I can think of plenty of reasons why he should be, if my guess is right. Well, but I'm just wondering if my guess is right. Oh, I wouldn't worry too much about that if I were you. Well, I can't help it. You're sorry for Mrs. Denner. Poor little thing. She's all alone, having to depend on someone else. Living as a guest in this house. She just adores Mr. Cromwell. She's not the first. I have an idea. She thinks she's going to marry her. What do you think? I don't know. I can't discuss it, Mrs. Kinsey. That little Miss Fenner is so sweet and trusting. I think she may be in for quite a blow one of these days. I wouldn't let my imagination run away with me if I were you, Mrs. Kinsey. Mr. Cromwell is a gentleman. Oh, don't give me that. I've got eyes. Mr. Cromwell and Ms. Mead are two of a kind, if you ask me. And when I hear the way Ms. Fenner talks about them, how wonderful she thinks they both are. Well, it's all I can stomach. And one of these days, I may just go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Oh, that's all right, Miss Fenner. Hello, Matt. Good evening, Mrs. Fenner. Oh, don't get up. Finish your coffee. Oh, I was just going. I brought your packages over for you. Oh, thank you very much. Well, see you later, Mrs. Kingsley. Uh, don't make it too late, mind you. All right. Mrs. Kingsley, I wonder if I might have a cup of tea. Oh, certainly. I'll bring it in to you. If it's all right with you, I'll just as soon stay here in the kitchen. Oh, of course, Miss Fenner. Did you have a good rest? Yes. All right, thanks. Huh. There. That'll be ready in a jiffy. Where's Kit? She's at Mr. Cromwell's. They're waiting for you. Oh, but it's late. What about dinner? Made plans to drive up to that restaurant. The cockpit. Oh, dear. I don't feel much like going anyplace. Well, why don't you stay here, Miss Fenner? I have a lovely dinner ready. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't want to do that. I'll go with them. You don't look as if you felt so good. Oh, I feel all right. It's just that I had a bad dream. Oh? It's left me feeling a little depressed. I always feel so guilty when I dream something unpleasant or unkind about people I'm fond of. There's usually a reason for dreams. Well, there couldn't have been for this one. 
I don't know what caused it. I was in a beautiful valley. I remember there were a lot of white flowers growing in the grass. And up ahead of me, I could see Kit and Paul. They were looking toward me. They were carrying something. I don't know what it was, but I felt so happy seeing them. I, I started running. I'd get a little closer, and suddenly they'd be as far away as they'd been before. They just stood there, looking over their shoulders at me. And they were laughing. I kept trying to catch up with them, but I couldn't. Then all of a sudden, there was no more sunlight. Whisks of fog or smoke started rolling down, and they disappeared. But I could still hear them laughing. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Oh, I don't know. I awaken feeling so hurt and miserable. Imagine my dreaming something like that about Paul and Kit. Well, dreams aren't nonsense. Oh, Mrs. Jingley, you don't believe in them. That they foretell the future and all that sort of thing. Oh, no. No, I don't mean that. I've heard folks talk this modern scientific language about dreams. I don't understand it. But I know that dreams sometimes can tell us things we can't or I don't want to see. Sometimes, Miss Anna, life can be the dream. What seems like a dream is the reality. The water on the stove started boiling just then. After this interruption, the subject was changed. But Lisa hadn't forgotten the housekeeper's remark. She was a little puzzled by it and disturbed. I wonder, Lisa, if your dream is an indication that you yourself have an unadmitted fear, a secret intuition about Kit Mead and Paul Carmel. If so, it's an intuition you should heed 